tree was all the same I was under the sky, no new horizons Maybe there is no one else to Hello listeners and welcome back to the Campbell's Footballs podcast. This episode is episode 150 in the archive, which is absolutely astonishing really considering I started this podcast over a year ago now. Uh, it's amazing we've even reached 150. So thanks everybody for tuning in uh, to one or all of my shows up to this point. I'm joined for this episode by a very special and unique guest. Uh, this guy is a stadium announcer, a podcaster, facilitator, host. Um, he's done the lot. Um, it is Graham Easton on the show, who some of you may know is the stadium announcer at Hamden, but also speaks to a range of sporting icons. Graham, a warm welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me on your show. Yeah, it's great to have you on um, during these very strange times that we are living in at the moment. How have you been coping? Uh, not too bad. Um, I uh, my professional role is sort of uh, announcing and whatever. That's almost taken a, a major uh, backseat in terms of announcing at sporting events and things. But as you've alluded to in the introduction, I do podcasting as well, so that that's not been affected that much. And part of the business that my brother and I do is, is podcasting. We've got a studio uh, in, in Edinburgh. And so that's been kept busy. My brother does does the production for a number of different podcasts. So that, in a bizarre sort of ways, been an unintended beneficiary of uh, of COVID, where people still want to communicate and talk uh, via Zoom and various other platforms. As many of us will be familiar with, if you're listening, you're maybe on Zoom meetings all day or whatever. So that that's been not been not bad too too badly. But in terms of my sort of personal life, I've got three kids. Um, two teenagers and one soon to be a teenager and you know th- their school life's been was a bit up and down like it was for many people in, in the early days of, of COVID lockdown in March but um, we survived in the house and sort of um, home learning had its moments as I did for lots of parents in lots of different ways so they're now back at school the routines are sort of back there and you know the, the, the girls I've got three kids two girls and a boy the, the girls play football uh, and their football training is now back so that you know uh, they're kind of getting back to what they love doing and getting outside and you know meeting their pals obviously within various restrictions obviously yeah. so um, we've kind of got through it and you know got a strong family network here in, in Edinburgh which has been great it's still been, to see, been able to see them because the, the, both sets of grandparents are still are in Edinburgh where I am so you know, we've still been able to kind of keep in contact with them. So uh, that, that's a long answer for saying I'm actually not too bad. Uh, touch wood, find some wood somewhere in here. Um, so yeah, plenty keeping you busy. Then it sounds like, and maybe opportunities to become a school teacher at home. <laughs> Yes, well, that's my other sort of uh, strength. But I do I do work in education as well as uh, in the kind of sporting announcing kind of world. So uh, I can see the education from both sides, both as an educator myself, but also from the the sort of home learning. And you know, you, it was quite funny uh, and in a good way watching, uh, reading rather people's comments on Facebook and Twitter about oh, this home learning. I've got a lot more respect for teachers, and which was kind of quite nice to hear. Um, so it is an art in itself teaching like a lot of industries but it was quite nice to sort of read those comments oh actually teaching is actually more difficult than we actually maybe give it credit for yeah I'm in the science and education world myself I can absolutely agree with that sentiment and it certainly has been a very interesting time people adapting not just in science and education and in your world podcasting and parenting but just everybody is adapting isn't it and, and I'm sure your role is adapting all the time 
within this COVID pandemic that we're living in at the moment, but also coming out of it as well. Yeah, well, in terms of the the announcing role, and as we speak, uh, recording this, um, I've done one one Scotland game, Scotland's uh, First Nations League game against Israel at Hamden Park, where I was very fortunate to get to see the game. It finished one all. wasn't much of a match, but uh, I was uh, one of the few inside the stadium. Uh, I was sitting right behind uh, Luke, Luke Shanley, who does the reporting and questioning at the, the post-match and pre-match so I know, I know Luke quite well so we were kind of sitting sort of almost next to each other uh, but it was, it was fascinating um, that the kind of Israeli substitutes were basically to our left and there was you know, about 10, 12 of them plus the, you know, the coaching staff and whatever but they were making a real racket they were really generally trying to make a, a really decent atmosphere so uh, we were kind of saying at the end of the game see for the next game we'll have to be the unofficial uh, Tartan army because the Scotland bench was at the complete, completely other side from us but I'm pretty confident they weren't doing as the Israelis were but it, it was it was kind of bizarre but going actually why wouldn't you mm-hmm. it's your team playing and you know you're away from home you're trying to do everything you can without your own fans to make a bit of a noise and uh, uh, impact on Scotland uh, so it was it was fascinating from that point of view and also the bit which you know, if you're watching the games on Sky Sports, for example, you, you may have the option to listen with the crowd, the artificial crowd or not. Yeah. I always choose not to have the artificial crowd, but being at Hamden, you know, listening, being able to hear what the players are saying to each other, even like simple things, um, like Ryan Christie playing for Scotland. I mean, it's not going to break any any ground by saying folk call him Christie, but you know, even just like simple things and like you know, uh, Kieran Tierney's just called KT, and how the, uh, David Marshall was marshalling, pardon the pun, the defence, you know, the bits you would not normally hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so for those bits, there was that kind of nice of added value of being in the ground, and albeit not with fifty thousand screaming Scotland mm-hmm. fans, but it was still interesting. Uh, listening to that but you don't normally get I remember watching that Israel game and, and just feeling so lost watching the game because it was like I've never seen Hamden apart from when I've done the stadium tour with no fans in it, it was just really really strange and the game itself was really really strange because it almost felt like Scotland were almost the underdogs because Israel had nothing to lose, they had no fans on their back giving them pelters and no fans to drive Scotland forward, there was no Tartan army there, it all seemed a bit strange. Yeah, one, one of the fascinating things uh, about, about the Scotland-Israel game was also the fact about the music, so my brother and I, uh, Keith, uh, do the production, so you know what, what, what goes on on the screen, uh, adverts and what we say and how we time it, so it's basically like a TV show, but one of the things we discussed with the SFA was should the music that get, gets played pre-match be what the players want to hear because arguably that was you know one of the key things about giving Scotland or anybody for that matter some degree of kind of home advantage you know normally we're playing you know kind of Scottish anthems that you know that the fans love but obviously no fans there then you could still play you know Proclaimers, Deacon Blue and all the rest of yes. them but with the players, like we did discuss, we didn't actually play, you know, what, what the players may or may not want to hear. Uh, um, I'm not sure why, but it was thought it was quite fascinating to, to, to have that discussion. And you know, I, I love that that kind of science, if you like, behind it. I, I know I do a podcast myself related to music and sports, so I kind of was like, oh, that, that's that's good. I like that. I like that. And be, what would Ryan Christie play? What would Scott McKenna love to hear <laughs> before a Scotland game? Um, and I remember talk, when I talked to, to Christoph Berra on one of my earlier podcast, he, although he didn't necessarily start a lot for Scotland, he was on the bench and he did say quite generally when our players are warming up at half time, 
he, as cheesy as it sounds, he loved hearing uh, you know, the fans singing uh, um, Lock Lowen by Runrig because you play it and then the kind of fans take over. And he says, No, that for me, you know, it is, it is a big moment. You yeah. know, I'm representing my country. So, you know, we can laugh and joke about music and it's a bit gimmicky, but actually, okay, that's just one example, Christoph Berra. But it does show that for some people, music in the stadium does and can make a, quite a big a difference so it was kind of interesting that, that was we discussed it as a possibility at the the last Scotland Israel game yeah absolutely you have the perfect job because you're you're marrying sport and music and I love sport and music so I think this is going to be an excellent discussion Graham it's great to have you on the show it's great to have a little bit of an introduction um my first question to you is what made you want to go into the world of entertainment in the first place because that that has to be a route in to everybody's uh, roles what was yours yeah, well, I always, um, like, like many people, I'm sure, of a certain vintage, you know, you love listening to, to music and, and chat on the radio, and that, that was what I always loved, you know, I'm, I'm old enough to be of an age whereby I was uh, trying to tape stuff off the top 40 with a cassette tape, and I was always fascinated by radio, um, and, you know, I did, like many people have, have done of a certain age, I'm sure they did their own sort of, wee sort of radio shows recorded them, none, none of those exist anymore, um, but... I then got into kind of a friend of a friend of a friend kind of knew we were into music and he, he's a friend was, was was a DJ, a mobile disco DJ. So to cut a, long, very, cut a very long story short, <laughs> went into mobile uh, discos, doing 18th, 21st, kids parties, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and so the, the, the sort of timeline was kind of 1990 kind of mobile discos. And then a number of years later, we got to doing sports presentation uh, through my uncle, who was a basketball coach of a team in, in Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. And they had a, a, an annual tournament and, and, and uh, games at Meadowbank Sports Centre in Edinburgh. So it was that kind of music at timeouts and half time and whatnot. So we did that. I did a bit of nightclub DJing uh, for a number of years. I, not, not, I wasn't Pete Tong and anything remotely like anybody who <laughs> DJing on the beaches. Of, as long as it didn't go all Pete Tong, then that's okay. <laughs> it, was, it was quite cheesy and commercial, but I loved it. It was a kind of a kind of moment in time. There was like the, the, the club I worked in in Edinburgh had many names, but at one point it was called the Ark, then the establishment. If anybody's uh, listening with an Edinburgh connection and. Uh, it was there was loads of offices round about where where the um, the club was. So I, I did a kind of five o'clock in the afternoon till ten o'clock at night. It was a pound of drink till ten. That was my tagline, <laughs> and, uh, which it was. And so it was it was great. So I kind of mobile discos, nightclub DJ, and into sports presentation via basketball. Then somebody at basketball, uh, sorry, somebody who was at a basketball game was from Scottish Rugby and got introduced to do work for Scottish Rugby, doing announcing at uh, Murrayfield before it came BT Murrayfield. And yeah, so uh, that was the kind of sort of path. There's always been an interest in sort of broadcasting from an early age, basically listening to the radio. Yeah. You know, and watching obviously sport on the telly and, you know, great commentators like Bill McLaren for, for rugby, for example. You know, these sort of guys, you know, remember watching Six Nations or Five Nations as it was. Uh, with my mum and dad in a house and whatever so you know great memories of watching that and you know Bill McLaren one of the finest if not oh, the finest commentators just a, such a fantastic way with words superb guy superb guy and I, I, I love Andrew Cotter as well but he just will not replace what Bill did for rugby in the world not just in Scotland he was absolutely fantastic and that kind of comes on to my next question about inspirations and idols because you mentioned Bill McLaren there is a lot of other commentators go into that bracket or any other people from the world of music and entertainment radio 
Yeah, well, Bill would be certainly, you know, in terms of commentary, um, you know, if, if anybody's seen what are, what are called Big Bill Sheets, which go for fortunes at auctions, he basically has a, 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 he had a way of having his pre-match notes about each player and, you know, if, if, in the press box at BT Money for there's always two or three up in big, fantastic frames. I mean, literally works of art. Um, so I suppose that attention to detail and with my education background, you know, that preparation is really, really important. Um, so he, in terms of a, a commentator, uh, but in terms of sort of the wider entertainment, in terms of radio, um, I, I don't know, there was, there, there, I couldn't really narrow down anyone in particular, no offence to anybody I've ever listened to on the radio, but I just, it was just fascinating by the whole concept of broadcasting, and you know, I phoned in a couple of times and for competitions, but... Um, I could see, I could see, I could see you on Ken Bruce's Potmaster Chris, hence why I asked. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, there's a people I've grown up listening to, um, who are a couple of years older than me. I mean, a uh, great deal of respect for people like Grant Stott, who's been on the uh, fourth and knowledge various guises in Edinburgh and Radio Scotland, and you know does panto and stuff like that. Uh, and in terms of sport, Richard Gordon on Sports Sound in Scotland, fantastic, great, great host. And I, you yeah. know, the idea of being a host and bringing other people in and being the facilitator, I've always kind of been fascinated by that kind of sort of role. I'm not, I'm not one to be, I've never been one who wanted to be like the star in the sense of like, you know, being sort of stand up and comedy in, in terms of being a, a cheesy sort of radio DJ in that sense, um, but more about the kind of host, the compare, and the facilitator. I feel that's. Yes. Um, where I kind of best suited to doing so, great deal of respect for people who do that, and you know, the same applies to people what who do that on the TV in terms of sport. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, there's nobody in particular. It's just more the kind of the whole theatre of, of that kind of side of sports yeah. presentation in the main. Um, I like to do puns as well, but I don't think I could do puns in sport that well. I like playing yeah. hack folk off a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned Richard Goddard because he was my 100th guest and a fellow Aberdonian, so a big shout to uh, Richard if he's listening. An absolute top yeah, guy. Yeah. Uh, really, really fat Absolutely. To catch up with more Campbell's Football's podcasts, please listen to more on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. In terms of football, but outside of the national team, do you follow a particular club of choice? I'm taking it from Edinburgh, you either support Hibs or Hearts, or is that a, a, a wrong analogy to use? I guess these... It could be Meadowbank Thistle. That's very true. Or Embrassay, of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I do, I do actually remember going to see Meadowbank uh, quite a bit. Uh, and there was one game, one away game, uh, went to my brother and a couple of pals. It was kind of a bit of a joke going to see Meadowbank at, at Meadowbank Stadium because they literally had no supporters. But there was a period where they did quite well. And there was a game they were playing against Dunfermline. Now, I think Dunfermline had to win to go up to the, the Premier League as was and that game was on the telly I mean Meadowbank Thistle on getting the sort of Saturday night TV slot is unheard of but we were in the, we're in, the in the away end and we're, we're sure to this day that we were we were captured at one small moment when the sports scene coverage of uh, Meadowbank Thistle against the Fairman so um, I made Meadowbank a do sort of soft spot for them but um, always um, 
in my role as stadium announcer. I keep my, my cards close to my chest in that one. Fair enough, fair enough. I'm absolutely, uh, absolutely delighted that you mentioned that because I don't want to get you into trouble. That's a, a very good point. I'm just on your website, whoosh.tv, uh, Graham Easton, announcer, podcaster, host, facilitator, educator. You've been at a load of events um, London Olympic Games, Glasgow Commonwealth Games, Hampden Park, as we mentioned. So much things. Can you just summarise what it's like to be a part of some of these big events? Hey, wow. Uh, <laughs> I, I tricky to answer because, um, you know, it's difficult to pick out a, a kind of favourite. I don't know if I, I asked that specifically, but, I mean, it is a great honour to, to do that because, you know, Olympic Games and, and, you know, working at BT Murrayfield and Six Nations, they are big cultural events, which a lot of people kind of watching. And, um, you know... I don't work at BT Murrayfield anymore, but I, I loved I loved that job. Great job, great privilege. But when you get when you get the kind of feedback from 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 the noise and the crowds, if you say, you know, when I say like when Greg Laidlaw you know, puts over a penalty and you say, you know, Greg Laidlaw, and you get that cheer in the back of it, you know, it's that connection. And you know, again, without wishing it sounds too cheesy, I feel that's important. Just knowing to kind of read the crowd and know when to kind of push away. Not so. It's a great privilege to kind of do that and be part of something quite quite big um, so I really enjoyed things at BT Moneyfield and hopefully I got to uh, more right than wrong and one of the f- <laughs> things I did and you never plan it but I just it just came out when I'm doing the team lineups well, number 15 Stuart Hogg number 14 Tommy Seymour now I don't know why I start saying Tommy but it just became for a few people a kind of thing and there's a couple of folk who used to comment on on Twitter and they have like Tommy with O and like four H's and three M's and you know, it was, it was partly a running joke, but it was. It, I'm sure some folk would have hated it, but I thought, well, this guy scored a try for Scotland, and you want to give it a wee bit rather than saying score for Scotland, number 14, Tommy Seymour. It's like you f- I felt that you, I had to and should give it a yes. wee bit more without, without going crazy like a Brazilian, you know, announcer, for example. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it was a privilege, but hopefully. I came across and do come across as, as a kind of fan without not in a kind of ridiculously over the top way it's just getting that fine line right but in terms of the Olympics uh, in 2012 in London I, w- I was um, very fortunate and privileged to be uh, chosen as one of the announcers at the beach volleyball which was in Horse Guards Parade which is arguably as iconic a venue as you can get in London so massive stands you know you can nearly yeah. imagine the big stands you get the open golf I mean twice as steep as that um, just an amazing uh, atmosphere and work with some great people uh, and, and it was a party I mean, each volleyball is a party highly skilled sport it has a few uh, nudge nudge wink wink cliches associated with it which yeah. I'll never totally take off but put that to one side it was just such a fantastic event and you know commentating on that because I was actually doing the commentary you know for the crowds and it's you know whenever a point scored a bit of music's place you're not doing full-on kind of Bill McLaren-esque commentary because that yeah. doesn't work for beat volleyball it's too fast for that but um, great great times and what, I mean another thing I must say and it's kind of topical just now about this whole idea of the events industry decimated there's a campaign on, going on just now as we speak called the hashtag we make events but the people behind the scenes as, as we call it people you never never see the, the sound the lighting production I mean all that the amount of people involved in that is incredible and these people literally do make events so I think it's just this is in my head it's, I think we pertinent to kind of mention that absolutely that, you know, no, these, 100% kind of agree 
you know, I might be the voice that people might hear. I'm just a tiny little part of it. Um, and so, London Olympics was was that, you know, on steroids. You know, it is in a production. Um, working with people like work with Peter Dixon, who's oh, was, was what's a, a guy? Man. What's a guy? Famous of the prices, right, fame? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, legend. He was, I never met him before, obviously, but how, I mean, what you were, that was the scale we're at. Working with a guy who's the voiceover guy, X Factor, and Peter was hilarious. I mean, he used to make up these little, little lines, and I can't do justice now, but the, the gist of it was we're kind of obviously pretty near Downing Street in Horse Guards Parade, and he would scribble these little notes, and he would just, you know, this is a guy who's got timing and delivery down to an art form. Uh, and he said, ladies and gentlemen, I've uh, just had a message from the Prime Minister, David Cameron. He's got a meeting tomorrow morning. He's asked, could you keep the noise down, please? <laughs> and they kind of go, and you, you get that, that slight pause, and then there's that, it's sort of, that's laughter kind of filters around the stadium. But, you know, just, just bonkers, but kind of good bonkers. Uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's got a book out, by the way, if anyone's yeah. into listening. I loved Peter on The Price is Right. I mean, I loved him during the Bruce Forsyth era. You know, yeah, he says, yeah. come on down. It's just fantastic. Yeah. Love yeah. him. Love him. Absolutely top guy. But you mentioned um, Murrayfield. I mean, I've, I've never been to a Scotland rugby game yet. I endeavour to go to one because it's just sensational. And the atmosphere at, at Murrayfield when Scotland are on form and winning. It's just unbelievable, especially against England and some of the other big nations. Yeah, it is. And, um, you know, rugby fans sometimes get a hard time a bit quite quite conservative and, um, you know, they're not going to be kind of shouting, screaming unless anything happens. And, you know, again, in terms of we talked to Eleanor about the kind of art, just was the science behind music and, and event um, production and what we call sports presentation. And, you know, there's been debates over the years about, you know, should, should there be music when a try scored and a conversion and should there be music played when, you know, at any point at all? And, you know, there's been long and hard debates about that. But, you know, when the crowd is on form, and well, Scotland are on form, therefore the crowd's on form, it, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, and, and, it's, and I, I mean, it's, it's, it's a privilege to be kind of part of it, you know, with a, a great team behind uh, my voice and making it sound hopefully has to have decent. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's, it's a privilege and, you know... I, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say. I mean, that's, it is. It's a privilege to do that and yeah. to get to meet a couple of good people along the way yeah. you'd never dream of, of meeting. And London 2012 was such an iconic Olympic Games, wasn't it? I mean, Andy Murray winning gold in the tennis and so many other great sporting events for Britain, wasn't there, in the athletics on that Super Saturday especially? Yeah, and the thing is, the good thing about that was, you know, you knew um, that... that the crowd were listening out for different events, and I don't. I don't I'm, I'm. I'm pretty sure I don't remember the specific detail, but there's something now you've prompted me. There was probably something back mind whereby on that Super Saturday, you know, there was certainly a, a, a different atmosphere. I think we probably announced it because obviously we were we went live every day at basically twelve midday, and the games would go until basically midnight. So it met you know certain audiences around the world for the global TV audience. So it was a quite a late gig, but. Uh, now you've prompted me, as I say, I think there probably was that case where you did announce things and so everybody kind of knew what was going on. It was that genuine uh, Team GB kind of vibe going on. Um, I mean, Great Britain, you know, came on to play beach volleyball. I mean, it was a real... Because, you know, if we're not renowned for being great at beach volleyball. <laughs> um, but, again, going back to that partisan sports entertainment, music, you know, the players getting a lift from the whole atmosphere... And that's where sports presentation can really make a difference for, for, for sport, just just bring it to a different level. And it's now, 
probably uh, without COVID in the way it was a certain level whereby there was a, a kind of a standard, a benchmark which a lot of sports were were striving to be at. And you know, what is the next level for that? I mean, yeah. Who knows? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to bring it back for a connection of mine, actually, because you are also, as I mentioned in that little preview, um, done some uh, announcing at the Commonwealth Games in Glasgow in 2014, the Rugby Sevens. Now, I was yeah. at the Rugby Sevens um, at Ibrox six years ago, and what a fantastic day it was. I didn't see the final sally, it was the group stages, but... The atmosphere that day was excellent. There was a really great vibe around the place. And if I remember correctly, it was South Africa that won it because New Zealand hadn't lost a Rugby yes. Sevens uh, title at any Commonwealth Games told that championships. Yeah, and, and again, going back to the general atmosphere, you know, it was one of those events whereby everybody, you know, playing, you know, got a massive amount of support. It wasn't, wasn't a kind of partisan atmosphere where you get like a, a BT Murrayfield Scotland England kind of thing you know every team you know uh, the crowd although they weren't specialists uh, in terms of rugby knowledge because it wasn't a thing they watched regularly they got tickets for it but obviously sevens is kind of thrill them out there's tries every minute if not quicker than that so there's always something to be able to tune into but you know every crowd got their due obviously New Zealand and South Africa the top teams obviously got the respect that they, that they deserve as being fantastic but the teams you wouldn't expect to play this real kind of underdog mentality kicked in Ibrox yeah. which is brilliant they could be get, the, the team could get absolutely horsed by you know so many tries to know and then they score the try or even cross the halfway line and it was brilliant I mean that and you know the music was part of that and obviously when Scotland came on and you know people like Stuart Hogg playing uh, got drafted in you know, added an extra level to in terms of interest for the spectators. Um, so yeah, I mean, the atmosphere was 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 superb. We had a, a lot of great fun, and it was quite quirky where we kind of the, the, some of the production they put in behind it. Uh, you know, before before the games actually started, so we had a lot of fun. We were working with Des Clark. Des Clark was doing the connect. The That's right. Des is fantastic, isn't he? I've stayed in contact with Des, and, and you know, not his best pal by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, staying in contact, and uh, he was he, he's he was fantastic. Just just a perfect fit for that sort of event. Yeah, Graham Easton's playlist. Um, how did that dream, that podcast world, that program that you present how did that come about because it's a, a fantastic show and I, I've listened to a couple of them um, very recently in preparation for this chat some really fabulous guests you've had on the show but how did that come about yeah well, well the, the basic premise is um, you know um, players athletes pundits broadcasters from mainly the world of, of Scottish sport get get to, to choose five bits of music which are motivational to them or have a link to a kind of big sporting moment in their life. They also choose a specialist musical topic, one they think they know kind of inside out uh, for that wee sort of competitive edge. So that's the kind of format. But in terms of where did it come from, again, it goes back to working at Hamden and BT Moneyfield and, you know, watching stuff on, on the telly and you'd see players. I mean, Finn Russell, I suppose, is this of one of the classic examples whereby was a period where he came on pre-match at Moneyfield and he'd have some fancy headphones on listening to music and practicing his his, his, um, his penalties and whatnot. And I think, well, he's obviously music and he's also listening to something. What is he listening to? What is, what is Finn Russell listening to on his headphones? And then more and more people started to come off the team bus with their big fancy industrial-sized headphones. Many of them sponsored, I'm sure, to do so. Uh, and I think well, this is obviously becoming a thing. You know, not that music has, has never been used at all in a changing room, but just this personal 
uh, motivation perhaps to get them psyched up. So that's where the, the idea generally came from, from from watching players at, at you know Hamden and BT Moneyfield. So I, I had this idea, and I spoke to Keith about it, and wanted to sort of diversify a little bit. So the guy I kind of worked with and knew off and on at uh, Moneyfield, Scott Hastings, was, was the first guest as a wee sort of trial at a wee studio uh, just in Edinburgh and did the show, Scott chose Five Fits Music and his specialist topic was the music of the 1980s. Uh, he, he did average. Um, and uh, it just grew from there and I just sort of, let's say it's what you do, I'm sure with your shows you just reach out and sometimes you'll get a yes, sometimes you get a no, but it's not for the want to try. And Absolutely. You know, great guests on chatting about the kind of power of music and you know some great tales of how you know, music has been a genuine motivator and, mm-hmm. you know, tales of who was the official or unofficial DJ in the dressing room and all that. Because that sort of side does fascinate me. It's becoming clearly more mm-hmm. um, important in terms of the, for widening the debate out to the sports science and motivation and all that kind of stuff. So clearly it does play a big part for a lot of sports people, the, yeah. the power of, of music. No, absolutely. And I was just looking through the, the range of guests you have on, I've had on so far. You've had Richard Gordon on the show who... Rory Hamilton, Ailey Barber, Shelley Kerr, Luke Shanley, Daryl Broadfoot, Michael Stewart, Tam Cowan. So many names. Gavin Wallace, who I just recently had on the show. Some amazing guests on here. And what I love about it is the dynamic between you and the guest. It's just free-flowing and just very easy-going, chatting about what they love to listen to and their sporting journey. Yeah, the challenge, and you, you might have mulled this over in your head as well, I'm sure, is, is you know... Do you, do, do you ask the kind of questions that have probably been asked a million times before? Because you've got to kind of go back and say, well, a wee bit of the kind of backstory. But obviously, you want to put your own sort of stamp on it. So that's always been the sort of challenge. I always try and have as many kind of music-esque related questions as I can and what they listened to growing up. And yeah, you're obviously going to talk about their career in some way, shape or form. It'd be, it'd be rude not to, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I just try and make it slightly different. And I've, I've started doing a kind of live version on Facebook and YouTube where the, the audience, uh, the viewers can ask questions and I've got sort of random questions I pull out a hat uh, to do with uh, music and sport, a wee bit kind of left field uh, so I'm just trying to kind of get the, the balance but it's kind of you to kind of, you know, say that you kind of feel it kind of flows quite well because that's yeah. always the kind of the challenge with these sort of things and yeah, you've got your questions, you've got lined up and ready but you, you've, you've got to try and, in my view, kind of listen to the person, try to feed off what, they, what they're saying and you might go in a completely different direction you'd never thought of. So I like that little sort of challenge and a sense of, well, who knows which way it'll go. Yeah. You know the question you might ask and they might be really, really boring. But um, but I like, I like that uh, idea of just trying to keep it to, to not necessarily always the same questions. It's a unique time. dynamic is the way I would describe it and I think that's absolutely fantastic. I listened specifically to your chat with Luke Shanley because I've had Luke on my own show and I think Luke's just such a nice guy, isn't he? He just comes across a guy who cares about football but also it was very interesting to hear about his love of music as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, for people like Luke who and, and broadcasters like, like Ailey Barber, people like, you know, they're travelling miles and miles and miles and uh, you know they'll have to do a lot of research in what they do, particularly some like Ailey who's covering so many different sports these days uh, and so, so are they listening to music what keeps them going and what, what makes them but Ailey had a, you know, Ailey was um, 
talked very passionately uh, about getting the, the big golf gig. Yeah. You know, you know, from Hazel Irvin, you know, and, and she chose, um, I've got to forgot the name of the track now, that huge build-up. Uh, this is me by whatever her name is called from... Uh, the, the Greatest Greatest Showman. Showman. Yeah. Uh, she was saying she realised that, you know, that, that this is what I work for. You know, this is my passion. This is me. I was presenting, going to be presenting on major golf um, for the BBC, like the Open and, and whatnot. So, you know, it's kind of fascinating to listen to these people who are, you know, getting a chance to be quite reflective and for many people, there's there's some quite left field choices in there. Yeah. But look, looks ones I really like because that like a bit of a good old fashioned nineties indie. Yeah. And look at a bit, bits of that in as well. So I I liked uh, Luke's choices. Not that I don't like anybody else's, but I thought <laughs> no, I, I I think we had kind of similar similar views of music. Yeah, I'll tell you who's someone who's really into their music because he loves posting lots of clips on Instagram. Is Tam Cowan? I mean, what was he like to chat with? He, he's he's he quite a character. He's obviously got a line for absolutely everything, but uh, he he loves the the, the crooners, um, you know Tony Christie and, and Neil Sedaka and he, people like that. Yeah, <laughs> I, he hates uh, Amarillo though because he thinks it's a bit of a cliche if you're going to say Tony Christie. But if you ever listen to Off the Ball on, on Radio Scotland, he always tries to drop in his. Uh, some reference to that, but you know, he's a very intelligent guy. You know, he's obviously cheeky chappy on air, but he's he's very intelligent and very insightful, and clearly very knowledgeable about, about football. Uh, but you know, a lovely guy, uh, and again, great great to get a chance to, to 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 chat to him. Yeah, yeah, and you've had some really interesting ones as I've mentioned, Gavin Wallace, who is also in the DJing business, and of who I've had on the show as well. I mean, he's an absolutely fantastic guy as well. Yeah, Gavin's very passionate. Uh, doing a great job with Kelly TV. You know, like myself, he, I think he started doing mobile discos. He's done a bit of radio work, and you know, he's he's now doing commentary for for Kelly TV. Yeah. And you know, he also I don't know if he still does it, but he certainly was for a while doing the travel on uh, BBC Radio Scotland. Right. So yeah. if you want to know what was happening, so um, you know, he's like a lot of people in broadcasting. There's there's lots of strings to your bow, and you know, it's about sort of balancing those and not being I suppose too pigeonholed yeah. you know like saying like Ailey Barber they've done fantastic you know career so far and you know started off I remember standing in cold wet nights when it was a pro 12 as was and it was on BBC Alaba doing the rugby and there she's you know progressed to do doing Sky Sports and doing the golf so yeah. you yeah. know I wanted to, sorry, I wanted to ask you about Shelley Kerr as well because the job that she's done with the Scotland national team, and you have had the opportunity to chat with her. I mean, that must have been a great experience for you as well. Yeah, it was, and again, she's she's been very open, and you know, she's been on lots of different shows and podcasts, and you know, again, you respect the fact you want to hear a bit of her story and maybe try and tease out some some things you, you might not have heard or read about, but. She was very kind of passionate about the, the, the art of leadership and management and learning. Uh, you're, you're never too young to, to, to learn something new. And she, she took over the Stirling University team. Mm-hmm. You know, she worked hard and she did some some uh, research. I think she was studying or did some sort of open learning kind of thing. I can't remember, but certainly she was very much about learning. You know, it was a bit of a risk, I suppose, to, you know, for her as a, as a female to go to sort of the, the men's game and... You know, um, she's certainly very ambitious. I get that, that distinct impression, and you know, if and if and when the Scotland job isn't to be for her anymore, we instantly see where where she goes next. I mean, I tried to, to you know, I know she's a big big Hearts fan, and you know, if, if a Hearts job came up, but would she would she fancy that? She didn't say yes, and she didn't say no, but it'd be uh-huh. certainly interesting to see you know, someone like her of her stature, and he's done really well in the game, and mm-hmm. you know, worked in Arsenal as well. Yeah, you know, clearly very 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 knowledgeable at football, but would that would she take on like a a Scottish? 
you know, a team like Hearts or, you know, in the second tier. But, you know, mm-hmm. certainly very, very passionate. And in terms of music, you would be hard pressed to find somebody more knowledgeable about the music of the 1980s. Wow. And she, wow. Like, yeah, she, was, she was very good. I think she got about 8 out of 10 in her quiz. Got nine according to this list I have in front of me here. I knew it was pretty high. Yeah, I, we did. We did with her like uh, you played the first few seconds of a of a track, like a beat the intro, which we haven't done that often. But she was right in there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, if you're in a, a quiz with Shelly Care, hopefully there's no eighties yeah, round because yeah. you get absolutely annihilated. I'm glad you talked about management and 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 the connection with Hearts because you know I have this impression that sometime in the future, I'd like to hope in the future that someone in the women's game managing will go into managing in the men's game you know we've looked at someone like Emma Hayes down in England doing so well with Chelsea ladies for me I think she should get in with a chance of the England national team in the women's side but I think she could definitely do a job in the English men's game I think Shelley could definitely do someone in the men's game in Scotland yeah, but I suppose it's someday uh, being bold enough, and it would be seen as, as the risk. However, you kind of try and paint it or put some PR around it. It would be for many people, uh, perhaps seen as a risk, but it shouldn't be a risk if she's got a good track record as anybody else. But it obviously, would be uh, seen as slightly left field by some people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, I got I got the vibe. Uh, that she she would she wasn't totally rejecting it. I, I didn't I didn't get the vibe it was our, our big goal to, yeah. to manage a, a men's team. But you know it certainly you know would she, would she be any any worse than anybody else with with the same set track records? Yeah. I would I was guess not. You've also had some really classic names from the world of Scottish football, Jim Leishman and Archie McPherson, to name a couple. I mean, those guys have been synonymous in Scottish football for so many years. I mean, what was it like chatting with them? Yeah, well, well, Jim Leishman, again, like um, Tam Cowan, is, is never short of a tale. And again, he's got an absolute back catalogue of tales. And, you know, just, I mean, but the, the funny thing with chatting to him was when we'd finished recording, we're kind of reminiscing that was we're, we talked to ourselves it's like it's a produced show this we're talking about Meadowbank Thistle against Dunfermline earlier on I went to that game and whenever it was and, and we were kind of telling him off air about that when we were finished and he goes alright oh, I remember that and I think he meant I don't know if it's linked to that story but I'll just tell it anyway he said oh, I remember signing trying to find Istvan Cosma I can't remember what he said, it was in the 1980s and he, he paid like 600 grand for him which nowadays is like absolutely bonkers for Dunfermline spending 600 grand on anything yeah <laughs> never made a footballer but he had this amazing memory um, for, for so many things and facts yeah he was even with these kind of PR guy as well who was, who was maybe he had some of these tales already but he was just brilliant I, I tried to do a wee bit of poetry with him uh, in a wee I do a wee preview video and uh, I tried to do a bit of a Leishman-esque poetry, which I can't remember, but just a lovely guy. And his specialist topic in the quiz was West End musicals because Ooh. his daughter is an actor uh, down south. So wow. he's generally in his West End musicals because he's family. And he got he was the first person to get 10 out of 10 on the quiz wow. on West End musicals. So a big, big lover of music, but, you know, a hilarious guy. And some brilliant stories yeah that, that's something that I didn't know tonight Jim Leishman loving West End musicals fair play to yeah. one absolutely superb guy I was just looking at Wush Entertainments which is what you're involved with um, 
Graham. Um, a range of podcasts here, uh, not just your own playlist, but The Cake Show, uh, I believe, is one of them here, the WL Informed Podcast. What are these all about, just for my listeners, if they want to check these out? Well, they, these are ones that we, we produce. We've got a podcast studio in Edinburgh, so Keith uh, can take the credit, my brother and business partner. See, he basically spends his, ears, uh, his days with his uh, headphones on. Uh, you know, editing and producing podcasts for different clients and different businesses, you know, private sector, public sector, third sector, you know, a a different range of clients. So we're not um, involved in terms of uh, our voices. Uh, It's just more the production side of things. The Cake Joe is one, however, that Keith does with a musician called Carlin Gilmore. So they basically do new music reviews and some old hits from back in the day and it's about promoting uh, new music and bands you would n- not normally get the chance to hear um, so they get sent lots of music by different record labels mm-hmm. uh, which I'm more than happy to, to kind of talk about on air uh, but, but the other ones, you know, if people are looking to add a bit of polish to their podcast um, you know, we've got a studio folk can come and record with, you know, a very, very decent. He says with a PR speaker, very, very, very decent uh, ambience and recording facilities in the well podcast studio. Uh, but obviously, like we're doing just now, we're doing a, a sort of a online Zoom esque, and you know, nowadays you can get pretty decent audio quality. And um, you know, but number of great, great clients who have come back, and it's quite interesting how that. The world of business is seeing podcasts a different way to, to communicate with their market. I mean, one we've done uh, is with the sea fish industry. Now, who'd have thought the sea fish industry what? would record the podcast? But that's not necessarily for you know uh, customers to buy more salmon. And that's for people within the industry, just a way for them to communicate and showcase and talk about the hot topics. And we've done a couple of a couple of legal firms as well. Again, legal business, that's not exactly rock and roll to listen to that, but it's for that sector to talk about things to do with pensions. And so, I mean, the podcast thing is, is wide, uh, as we all know. There's, you can have a podcast on anything, but yeah. it's not necessarily for entertainment. It's for sharing in, uh, information within a, a sector. So it's quite interesting how that, that market's sort of uh, evolving. Yeah, definitely. Businesses doing a podcast. No, absolutely agree with that. And if people are listening in and wanting Graham's advice and the expertise, be sure to give him a shout. Scotland, um, because as we're recording this on the 5th of October, Scotland are gearing up for that match against Israel. When you're preparing for an international game, how much work would you do in terms of preparing your sort of playlist for the match at half time after the game? How much work would you put into that? There's quite a lot. So if you take a, I mean, a Scotland game's relatively straightforward in terms of music because rightly or wrongly we play a lot of kind of Scottish music and it's for the fans it's for the Tartan Army um, as Keith would tell you lots of times uh, we're not here to be John Peel and sort of breaking new bands you know we do play new Scottish bands um, you know near the beginning uh, when folk are maybe just coming in very early doors when the turnstiles first open so you know we'll play the big tunes near our kickoff. Um, but in terms of uh, you know, like a, a cup final for example 
then you've got to, you know, you, you, get, you get requests on both 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 teams uh, through their official channels, and another one you think, right, these are sort of big anthems, big tunes, and then the one that we spend probably a lot of time discussing is, which might seem a kind of small part, but is arguably an iconic part of the whole day, is the entrance music, what, what the music the teams walk out to, and we spent many an hour, and this applies to rugby as well when we're working with Scottish rugby, what is the what is the best tune for the teams to walk out? Because arguably it's the, the, a big moment. It's the signature tune, and you know, being at games yourself before I was working, you do, you do, you know, remember the, the sort of tunes of, of the day, and um, so you can you can go through hours planning that. Yeah. Um, but in terms of my role, in terms of announcing it, you know, it's, it's relatively straightforward in a sense. There's a like a Scotland game. There's a script to follow. It's all timed. It's more or less a TV show. So if I'm broadcasting, you know, to the stadium and I'm on the big. Then Keith's in my ear, cue me in and whatever. So there's a script to follow. Um, and the thing I have to spend the most time preparing for in a Tensor Scotland game would be pronunciations. Yeah, yeah. Well, this game, you know, uh, I try and catch either, you know, journalists before the game or, or if I haven't found the, the answers, uh, doing the research at home and listening to YouTube and how people say people's names, but, uh, or I'll try and get the official media liaison officer from the team. Uh, I tried to do that with a Malta game a couple of years ago, and I, I was introduced to this guy. But he had to be just be one of the subs. But he was very polite. <laughs> Actually, still do, but he stood there and I went through and I wrote things out phonetically. So that's the best way to do it, is to write it phonetically. So for the Israel game, there's a few of the players I'd written out phonetically, uh, to, you know, because at the end of the day, it's, it's that that you've been respectful to that that uh, player and that team, that country. You know, you, you can't sort of pretend. I'm not saying I get to absolutely spot on every time because I've got a broad Scottish accent, but I think it's only respectful yeah. the right thing to do, to do the preparation and say that guy's name. If you say it once because he's a sub, it never gets on. It doesn't matter because that's what the role entails you to do. So the preparations play more so in terms of the, the pronunciations. Cause I'm not doing pure commentary, so I don't need the stats and all that. And I'm just announcing pre-match yeah. and goal scorers and subs and whatever. Um, but the, the one, the one that was um, the game that kind of stick out in terms of being slightly different, albeit not for necessarily the best reasons, but one we had to really think in our feet. And I'd like to think we did a good job was when it was the Hibs Rangers Cup final quite a few years ago, and Hibs won for the first time in 114 years. And yeah. some of the fans quite naturally were quite excited by that fact, and a few of them came onto the pitch. And so the Rangers fans was like, "Oh right," and I, I was sitting right next to the tunnel next to the floor manager from Sky or, or BBC who was on it and you know, those people come up quite near us and it's like alright oh, and I got in my ear right, what we're going to do so I got told just to kind of say certain things because the the trophy presentation basically wasn't going to happen because it needed the pitch to be clear um, you could understand the emotion and you know yeah. we've no one for, for, you know, it was obviously had to be managed but I remember getting you know, various conversations about here what we're going to do we need to pitch cleared and you know, the police were involved and all that and I had to communicate something so I was given a, a bit of guidance as to the general tone and the words because obviously it wasn't scripted yeah we obviously they're not planned for <laughs> um so I, there was there was things like that whereby you go in professional mode you've got folk you're talking to various people 
and you've got to get it right. And you know, in layman's terms, we said basically the trophy presentation isn't going to happen until you clear a pitch. That was that was the underlying message that they wanted me to get across. I can't remember the exact words I said, but I said it hopefully in a fairly eloquent, yeah. not patronising a fact. <laughs> you know, one of these things that people think it lasted about twenty minutes. It was nowhere near twenty minutes. It was quite short, but there was things like that we can't really plan for it. But yeah. as I said earlier, you're part of a big team. And um, I'm just at the end of that to communicate what is the, the message that the client, you know, wants. In this case, Scottish FA and the police. Yeah. Um, so that was slightly bizarre, uh, but you know, certainly remember that. That's for sure. That was an incredible final, and the way Hibbs won it so late on is something that just yeah. reminisces in my mind. And I think Ian Crocker talks about it so vividly in so many things I've heard him talk about. It. I mean, it was just an absolutely extraordinary final. In terms of the Scotland national team, when you're reading out other nations' team lineups, which countries are the hardest to pronounce? Uh, well, it's difficult to know because every nation has its own um, quirks, I suppose. But I think you know Slovakia, Slovenia, a lot of the players will. Have, I suppose if a Scottish player, the cliche view of, of my counterpart somewhere would be a lot of players might have Mick at the front. So Slovakia, Slovenia will have similar things. Um, or if you're doing like uh, um, Lithuania or a Russian team, there would be an Ov or a Kov at the kind of end, and a lot of the ones. And in a sense, these are quite straightforward in the sense that you break it down, and if you see a letter, you kind of see it. Whereas some of the other nations, you know, French, Spanish, you know, there's those letters which never actually get pronounced. And some you might know from from if you've studied French, which I didn't at school, or Spanish, you've got a, you have a wee bit of a kind of product knowledge there. Yeah. But as I said earlier, the, be the best way and the proper way to do it is to speak somebody with a native tongue and just check and you just write it phonetically. And OK, it's never going to sound the same with a broad Scotsman saying it, but then the Spanish announcer will never get... A Scottish name exactly right, so yeah. it's but again, it's been respectful and trying to do it the right way. So, um, but, but in terms of difficult ones, in terms of going back to rugby, uh, Fiji and Tonga are sometimes quite tricky because they are they I are quite that. long. You've got to, <laughs> phonetically, you've got to kind of break it out. There might be like five or six syllables within that surname. So it's breaking it up. So you might say it probably slightly so, slower than is maybe natural, but again, I believe you're going to. I would do it that way. So at least I, I give it a good attempt and yeah. not just be so fast that nobody can notice because that's just that's just amateurish. At I'm least, not saying I get it all the time. Yeah, and I'm sure people tell me that, but I, I would like to think I've spent some time trying to get it right. I wanted to ask that because I remember having a previous chat with Ray Stubbs, who I've had on the show, and he talks about Peter in love. And uh, that you always go, <laughs> the way he pronounced it as Peter in love is just so, so funny and so iconic. Yeah. <laughs> I was chatting to Peter Dixon, voiceover guy, about it. You know, he was announcing, you know, the, 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 the acts on the X Factor. You know, and, and for me, uh, you know, if you've got the, per the perfect name would be two syllables for first name. His second name, so I mentioned a little bit Tommy Seymour because he Tommy Seymour. So there's like, there's a bit you can go different directions with it. Whereas, no offence to Scott Brown, but he's the only one that comes to head as in Scott Brown. You know, <laughs> you, you kind of, and if Peter Dixon was doing it, he would do it in a very uh, fancy way. But Scott Brown scores absolutely brilliant, superb. You'll go Scott Brown, you know, but there, there, there's limited ways you can go with Scott Brown. Yeah, you want to be on the score for Celtic is Scott Brown, but you want to. So you know, it's, it's you always want a name. 
ideally who scores who's got a wee bit and especially with Scotland um, then um, you can give it a wee bit without being a, a kind of crazy Brazilian announcer um, it's, 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 it's interesting but again it's the kind of science it's sort of a wee bit nerdy at times but you want to come across as being a fan as best you can and you know in a Scottish Cup final there's a high chance of playing no support any of the teams in the final but uh, you, you just go an automatic pilot yeah. you, you don't kind of think about it folk have often asked me that I says, well that's your job and if, if so and so scores they score and you know you, you give it everything you've got without being too disrespectful when it comes to cup final day or a semi-final day or a big international match do you have a lot of interactions at all with any of the broadcasters at the BBC or Sky or any of the players at all? Have you any recollections on that this year? Yeah, the, the, I, well, at Hampden Park, um, pre-COVID, um, we used to sit and kind of, if it was a Scotland game, you're sitting kind of pretty much in front of the, the Scotland bench. And the, the floor manager from Sky, for example, is just there and they've got a wee monitor and they've got their, the guy in here. Because we're all looking for the same thing. We want to get the substitutes as quick as we can. Um, and the good thing for me is if there's a, you know, it's a, it's a good view. I mean, I'm, it's a fantastic view at Hamden, but it's quite low down. So if it's a, a scramble or it's a stramash at a corner, you might not know who's scored straight away. So I can, you know, tap Luke, Luke Shanley or, or the floor manager on the shoulder who scored because they love it in the ear. Uh, so there's wee things like that which are very useful to have sitting next to these guys. So who actually did score? And, you know, there was one time when Scotland were playing at Celtic Park and I think it was Sean Maloney well I'm saying Sean Maloney scored I, I just said that Sean Maloney had scored it took a deflection again uh, you know there's obviously official views on who gets the goal and how big a deflection it was but again you want to focus on the positives we'll give the goal to Sean Maloney but um, one of the kind of funniest things that happened again and a good reason when I was sitting next to Luke for the Scotland-England game uh, when Luke Lee Riffith scored these Pretty decent free kicks. I'm sure we'll, we'll agree on that one. Yeah. Uh, and he scored the second one. You know, it was obviously pretty close to the first one, which was spectacular in itself. And Luke was just jumping up and down on top of me, <laughs> and it was kind of weird and totally unprofessional. It wasn't unprofessional. It was more fans. Absolutely. It's, 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 it's in the moment, isn't it? You know, I, he, he was like me. I got out of my seat when that free kick went in. The second one, I was yeah. like, I cannot believe he's done that again, other side, you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean but, that that for me is the the biggest bounce I've ever seen Hamden for any Scotland yeah, yeah. game. Yeah, but one, one, of the, one of the other kind of moments that was quite sort of funny uh, was that a final now. It was Falkirk. Who were they playing? Can't remember. But John Hughes, Yogi Hughes, was the manager, and that Scottish Cup final. Oh, who was it? Was it Falkirk and Inverness or someone? I can't. Oh remember. yes, the twenty. Anyway, Yogi, Yogi Hughes was the manager. Yeah. And I had my I had my kilt on that day for some reason. I don't know why. I thought oh, I could just wear my kilt. Today. It was a sunny day, and um, I was getting up to to. I usually, well, if I can, if I'm not in the way, I usually kind of prefer to stand up to announce. Um, so. His team were making a substitution. He was at the trackside running back for us. Quite a lot, quite a, a big area to, 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 to run about. And if you're a, a manager at Hampton compared to some grounds, so he's running about and he comes back and I'm just about to make, make the announcement. And he says, oh, "Give me that microphone, I'll do it." And I kind of jokey kind of way. And then later on, I did another one and he says, "You got anything under that kill?" And he was kind of like, "This is middle of the cup final." <laughs> And, but that was Yogi Hughes um, and 
it was, it was, so it's, it's, it's quite funny but I don't you know I don't get to speak to the players per se I'm kind of close by the substitutes and I suppose you're on nodding terms to some extent with some of the backroom staff at the Scotland game they kind of know you are because you're there but um, it's, uh, it's the, 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 it's interesting because if I'm quite cl- I'm quite close to the well if it's a, if it's a cup final game or a semi-final and I remember it was Hearts Hibs and I was sitting in front of the Hearts bench and Hibs scored um, and I, you know I, I can apologise saying guys I'm sorry I've got, I've got to do this you know you can have a, bit, a wee bit of banter saying you know, you've got to go into professional mode you, you, the other team scored and I'm sitting in front of you so um, but I mean it's just it's, it's, it's great to just be in amongst it yeah. Um, yeah. it's the best way to be I do prefer being in amongst the crowd I feel that I deliver much better rather than being a, sort of a box which is soundproof you don't feel part of it you don't in my view no. deliver it as well yeah uh, but I guess it's a privilege to be there but I think professionally it's better to be there and you know you're with the crowd quite genuinely and of course the last cup final which had fans before Covid was that Rangers Celtic League Cup final which was extraordinary wasn't it um, Fraser Forster unbelievable for, for Celtic and you know the, the winner from Christopher Julian you know I remember watching the game because I, I, I think if I remember rightly Ali McCoyst and Chris Sun had to take out the League Cup trophy out onto the onto the pitch at one stage yeah, that's right. They've started to do that the past few years uh, pre-match and try and maybe tie it in with kind of BT Sport or Premier Sports if they're covering it. But that's a nice little touch um, to, to kind of do that. But, you know, um, first, I've done a few uh, old firm games and, you know, again, going to say nothing radical here, but just to hear that raw noise when the teams come out, uh, majority of it's probably cheering of some to some degree, but then I'm sure a lot of those are kind of booing. So it's just this noise. Yeah, it's like uh, a big crescendo. It's just extraordinary. And, and then and just before kickoff, now sometimes at Scotland game, I, you know, I debated for years like should I do a sort of semi rallying cry? You know, not not trying to do a whole Braveheart speech, but <laughs> certainly don't need to do it when it's Celtic and Rangers in town. You you sound like an idiot. You know, who's this guy here? Just let the crowd breathe. And that's one of the kind of, I believe, the kind of skills of people who do the announcing job is just learning when to shut up. Yeah, yeah. You know, just let the crowd take over. And, you know, you might think, oh, but I might, I might say something. It's a, a significant match. Scotland must win it. If they win it, they, they play so-and-so next or whatever. Um, and you don't want to go too far. I think you've got to respect the crowd and say, they're here. It's their match. It's their moment. They're there the ones that will make a difference not me but it's learning I think when to be quiet Yeah, and yeah. Hope, I say hopefully I get that more right and I get it wrong and you're coming, you're coming very nicely into my next question because as a facilitator and a presenter um, one of the questions I always like to ask is what advice would you give to people like myself who are a presenter of a podcast or some other folks who are presenting their own radio show or TV show what advice would you give I think I think you've got to kind of follow your passion and find out what you you enjoy doing, and hopefully, if you enjoy what you do, that will come across. And you know, I've I've, I've specialised my podcast on music and sport, which is things that I like and enjoy. Um, not saying I would do something in a completely different area and, and stretch myself out my comfort zone, but I think if you're starting off, find something you're comfortable with. And you know, the beauty of doing things now in 2020, you can you know, as we are doing just now. You, know, you can basically do things yourself and you, know, you can record this, that and the next thing and, and put it out there and practice and watch it back. So that's probably the best thing is to, you know, to listen back to what you do. I mean, I still listen to my ones back 
and you know I'm, I'm the first to admit that sometimes and perhaps in this podcast itself I've maybe for some people spoken too fast and that's maybe partly because it's just the way I am and secondly because I'm quite enthusiastic when I get going but it's learning to listen back and think actually maybe to talk a bit slower and I do still on my wee script things I do still write the word slow quite a bit just mm-hmm. round the sheet of paper um, and the other thing to write down and a prompt and I'm sure this is if you don't go on training courses for these things or say smile if you smile then that'll hopefully come across and how you deliver things so these are quite such small things in a way but um, you know they, they can make a difference when you do listen back and you have smiled you do notice a difference in how you come across but the other thing again go back to Bill McLaren who we mentioned these big sheets is the preparation I mean get, again depending on the format of whatever your show is it's the preparation is key in many respects and so you're so knowledgeable and you kind of bring the other person in and you know when to just say shut up and let them speak and just a short question sometimes or maybe it's an open question or a closed question and um, but I, I think I think deep down you've got to have a passion for something and go with your passion uh, and hopefully that will come across to the listener and, and let that person if you're interviewing, of course, that, that would hopefully come across to them. They feel relaxed and they, you know, uh, make it more of a conversation rather than boom, 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 back and forward. Yeah, no, absolutely. Oh, and I think that's absolutely fantastic. I, I really enjoyed that just discussion there alone. I think that's absolutely fantastic. Penultimate question before we wrap things up. I, you sent me a photo on Twitter of chatting to Judy Murray and I mentioned Andy and his success at London and obviously the fact he's a three-time Grand Slam champion. I love my tennis. Um, I love Andy Murray. He's one of my own personal heroes. What was it like to chat to Judy? Because she's just absolutely fantastic, isn't she? Yeah, well, that, that was, it wasn't a kind of formal interview. I do some work uh, for uh, Strathclyde Sirens Netball, who play their games at the Eminence Arena in Glasgow. Obviously, like every sport, they're not doing that at all, and they're obviously trying to get back to play netball uh, with or without a crowd. But, I mean, we could talk for years about the Strathclyde Sirens Netball, who are just a fantastic operation. Uh, their hashtag was changing the game. And very, very much about, you know, empowering women in sport and girls. And the crowds they got pre-COVID were unbelievable. I mean, they put a lot of football teams to shame, you know, packing out the Emirates Arena. So uh, Judy Murray was there in a sort of semi-ambassadorial role there. And, you know, the, in, in netball, like, like basketball, in many other sports, you've got your timeouts and you've got your half-times and quarter changes. So at half-time, or some chat, should, should, should we chat to Judy Murray? Is it the right thing to do or is it a bit cliched or, you know, you know again... What, what question do you ask her that she's not been asked a million times before uh, but to refer to her you know she said yeah I'm up for it and um, so I thought like, what, what can you ask her and, you know I, I went for the kind of obvious one because I thought it was fitted in with the moment and there was loads I mean there was, the amount of girls clubs across Scotland is, is incredible they come from all over Scotland to watch the Sirens team in Glasgow they've got the banners um, so anyway, I just asked about the kind of importance of you know what she felt like being at her first netball game you know, seeing a number of people here, and you feed somebody like that a line, and they're kind of off. You know, just giving a wee simple line. You kind of know it's going to come back because if you know they kind of they know how to say women in sports really important and girls great. So many girls here. I'm not not patronising at all, but you just knew that she would come back with a with a good answer when you give her a kind of nice open question. Uh, and I was asking about Andy. I thought I would left field when I said so, Andy. And Jamie, would they be any good at netball? Because Andy's obviously pretty tall, so is Jamie. So they were, they were a good shooter. So I said, oh, no, said, Andy, no, he's, 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 she said some condescending remark about Andy about not being concentrating or not listening or something. But you got a wee bit of fun out of her there. But, you know, she's, she's somebody you can 
having seen her on various panel shows and various things like that, and obviously Strictly, she's up for a bit of fun. So I asked her a kind of fairly standard, obvious question. I thought, oh, this will be nibble about Jamie and Andy. Um, but she was great, and you could tell she was generally taken by the, the skill on, on show at the court because she'd never seen netball in, in the flesh at that elite level. And she was very, very praiseworthy of the netball. So there's a wee plug for uh, netball. Don't, don't think it's uh, used to be at school. It's very, very good and very skilled and certainly a great night out if we ever get back to the Emmett's Arena. Absolutely. And a, a big shout out to those uh, girls at the, at the netball. I really want to wish them well going forward whenever that is possible coming out of this uh, pandemic that we're at the moment. Graham, it's fantastic to chat to you. We're coming very much to the end of this Campbell's Football's podcast chat. The 150th show has I feel gone down absolutely superbly. I've really enjoyed our, our conversation. The various um, discussion points and the variety of sports that you're involved with is absolutely fantastic and the entertainment that you provide is second to none. What does the future hold for you? Because it feels like to me you've got so much at your disposal to just continue and, and make this as big as you want it. Yeah, well, one of the things I was, was quite keen to do, and I've kind of tried to do it online, uh, sorry, uh, live, uh, visually speaking, is, is Facebook Live and YouTube. So I've, I've diversified slightly doing my podcast live, chatting to, to sports people uh, about their music, but having that interaction with, with the viewer so the viewer can ask a question. And if I ever get back to being face-to-face in, a, in, a, in, a, in an entertainment venue, I'd like to do a live show. So I did one... Um, live show the Traverse Theatre which is in Edinburgh I did it with uh, Stuart Cosgrove and Tam Cowan and I was thinking a year or so ago about doing a kind of Edinburgh Fringe kind of thing which could have been the worst thing I've ever did in terms of losing money because nobody seems to make money but I just thought the show kind of fitted that kind of quirky kind of hour long format which it invariably is in its normal podcast version so Stuart and Tam were, were fantastic guests and the added thing I had to was I didn't play the music out because that would just be silly because folk be twiddling their thumbs to play out three minutes of whatever Stuart Cosgrove chose but I got my friend Dougie who's a fantastic musician to play the chorus and the verse of the five songs that he chose so I had a bit of that interaction like, and a wee bit of a sing-along so I'd really like to do uh, if we're ever allowed to go back face-to-face in a theatre to do a live version of my show because I think it kind of fits that um, and tends to beyond that then I suppose going back to where I started my passion in terms of radio, I'd love to have a kind of radio show. I'd love to do my my playlist on the radio. Uh, I know, obviously, I'm slightly biased as you would be too. Think, oh, I think the show would be perfect on the radio. Uh, so I'd, lo- I'd love to have the show on the radio. Uh, I think it would fit. Um, but if I just still keep doing podcasts and Facebook Live, then then so be. I'm still still enjoying it. Um, you know managed to meet some fantastic people so um, I'm, I've enjoyed what I've done so far but like like yourself I'm sure you want to kind of you want to push on as far as you can yeah absolutely Graham Easton's playlist live their music their career your questions hashtag playlist live on Facebook live you can also check it out on whoosh.tv uh, 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 Graham Easton um, and at Graham Easton on Twitter as well if you want to check out Graham's fantastic content, diverse range of guests and music as well we'll come to the end of the 150th Campbell's Footballs podcast with myself Dr Grant Campbell Graham thanks very much for coming on the show I've thoroughly enjoyed our chat, I want to wish you all the best with what you're doing, your love of music and, and sport is second to none thanks very much for coming on the show Thank you very much for inviting me and all the best with your uh, future career in podcasting or whatever. Thanks very much.
Well, listener, that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Campbell's Footballs. I hope this podcast was just what the doctor ordered. If you want to listen to previous shows or look out for future shows, follow Campbell's Footballs on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to other podcasts. You can also follow the show on Facebook at Campbell's Footballs. Search for me, StatoG91, on Instagram or other social media channels. But until then, until next time, I hope you enjoyed the crack and enjoy Campbell's Footballs. What a dangerous night.